25 seconds left to play. You're listening to the Matt Wyatt Show. I want winners. This crowd is alive. Play to win the game. Wyatt from the shotgun, two backs alongside. Knock him out, John. Wyatt gets the ball. It won't be long. Wyatt back to throw. Wyatt looks. Fires toward the end zone. Passes. Caught for touchdown by Matthew Butler. Speak to. They are who we thought they were. And we let them off the hook. I get out of hand. Just, just tell me I'm a jerk and shut up. Let's go scatter the West right tight. That's left. 372 Y stick. The Matt Wyatt Show. He's Radio Wyatt. Well, how am I going to go to college? I'll just play football. Here it is. Yeah. Here we go. Hour two of the show has begun. I'm Matt in the Farm Bureau studio. Farm Bureau, go with the home team. They are your home team at Farm Bureau. Local agents, competitive rates, and fast and friendly service. Staying connected to you around the clock because of C Spire, the number one network in Mississippi. C Spire is customer inspired. Opening the phone lines to you, 995 1059. That's a 601 number. 601 995 1059. Got it? I'll repeat it for you later. That's the Divini Equipment phone. That'll get you in on the show. I'd love to hear your voice today. What do you want to talk about? You looking ahead of the weekend or looking back? Which one? In between? Excited about golf? It's Masters week. It's always fun. You know, if there's one week out of the year, even if, you know, let's just say you're a marginal golf fan, you'll pay attention a little bit during the week of the Masters. You will. We all do it. So uh, we're all kind of in the same boat. Always look forward to Masters week. It's kind of a signal of nice weather on the way. Although, Around here, I don't know about you in Jackson, Roger, but up in North Mississippi where I live, it was just a deluge all weekend long. Monson. I got some of that coming home on Saturday. Yeah, I was I was up in Tupelo on uh, Saturday. Drive up, by the way. I got to tell you, folks, if you haven't been up the trace just a little bit, the dogwoods are blooming, and it's something else. Uh huh. Yep, it really is. Now is a good time to go. It sure is. Yeah, it was uh, nasty weather all weekend long. Maybe that's the last of it for a little while. Sun will pop out. <clears throat> mowed my yard recently. Now it's already knee high again because I don't have good grass. I got bad grass. It misbehaves. <laughs> uh, JR asks on the text line, is it the Davini equipment phone line or the phone line that Bo built? Well, you know, they're both, they're one and the same. That's what they are. We've, in, we've improved it uh, with Davini equipment. <laughs> That's it. <clears throat> That's it. Okay. I think it's time to get into a baseball recap. I'm getting a a question kind of repeated. Uh, Moose Dog text in and had a question about this. Uh, The mailman in Jackson just texted the show, same thing, and wants to know about what happened in that game Saturday, the the way that Tennessee was able to score two runs against Mississippi State and take that middle game of the series from State. Uh, I'll get into that. Also, as you know, a big series sweep for Ole Miss this weekend at home. That and That's big. They really are playing good baseball right now. Let me go ambiance here real quick. Hang on. 
cell organ. Take me out to the ball game. You ready for baseball now? Now you're ready for your baseball recap. All right, let's jump into it. First up, series sweep this weekend for Ole Miss. Took three games from Florida. Hit the ball like crazy. Basically ran Florida out of there. Here are a few of the calls from the game. I think this is the game they won back on. Well, this would have been Thursday, right? Because, yeah, so this would have been game one of the series. Some of the calls from David Kellum on the radio of the Ole Miss win over Florida from Learfield IMG College. Water second, no outs, full count to Zabowski. Swung on, fly ball, right field. He has crushed that one, headed to the wall, and gone. Two-run homer, Cole Zabowski, and the Rebels are on the board. From the stretch, throws to first, and they got him that time. He had a good lead. He was leaning, and Parker Caracy picks off. McConnell. Ole Miss leading 11 to 10. Here's the pitch. Swung on. Line shot to left field. Left fielder's burned on that one. Over the head of Langworthy. who's playing really shallow. And Olenek will go to second with a double. And the Rebels are up 12 to 10. RBI number two of the game. Number 25 of the year for Ryan Olenek. He's three for four in the contest. One ball, two strikes to Butler. And the pitch. Ground ball rolled left side. Keenan's going to glove it. He'll throw to first. In time for the out. The Ole Miss Rebels have swept the Florida Gators with a comeback down eight runs in this one to win 12 to 10. How about that? Uh, so those calls from David Kellum on the radio from uh, Ole Miss broadcast, Learfield IMG. I-, I said first game, those calls from yesterday's game. The 12 to 10 come from behind win to sweep the series. And so um, – Ole Miss, what are they now in the year? They are now 23-10 and 10 overall. They are 8-4 and four in the uh, SEC, and that puts them in a tie on top of the SEC West. They are tied with two others. I don't know who they are. We'll look at it later. Doesn't really matter. Division stuff in baseball doesn't really matter uh, a whole lot. But anyway, that's where they are, 8-4. and four. And what's next for Ole Miss is uh, tomorrow night, Tuesday night, they play Southern Miss. But is, isn't that one? Um, isn't that game tomorrow night at Pearl Trustmark Park in Pearl? Southern Miss versus Ole Miss, I believe it is. Yeah, I mean I don't think it's in Hattiesburg. I think they're playing that one tomorrow night in Pearl. And so that's what's next. And then they'll host Kentucky next weekend. So Ole Miss playing really good baseball. After getting two out of three at Arkansas, they're like ahead of the curve. They come back sweet Florida. Now they're way ahead. And you got winnable series uh, coming up this weekend. Going to host Kentucky. Kentucky not very good. Sitting down there at or near the bottom of the SEC East right now. But in between is Southern Miss. And and uh, Southern Miss has had the better of this, you know, um, rivalry series, if you want to call it that, over the years. Southern Miss has just had a knack for getting the best of Ole Miss when they play each other in these midweek things. And don't look now, but look, Southern Miss is as hot as anybody. They are 20-9 and overall, and they are 10-2 and in Conference USA. Look at this, what they've done. They just swept Marshall this weekend. They just swept Marshall 10-3, to 4-3, and 11-10. to So one, a blowout, and then one, two, one-run games. And uh, now they're going to play Ole Miss in a midweek and travel to Florida International. But Southern Miss, 10-2 and in Conference USA. And 
they have swept four out of their last five series. Not just won them, but swept them. You know, last week they dropped a series at UTSA, Texas San Antonio, salvaged one game. Outside of that, they swept Marshall this weekend. Two weeks ago, swept Old Dominion. Started the conference season by sweeping Louisiana Tech in Ruston, Louisiana, and that was a weekend after sweeping Holy Cross. So when they hit that rough stretch, lost two out of three to State, lost a midweek to New Orleans, lost two games to Gonzaga. Next thing you know, they've beaten everybody pretty much since then. They've only lost one series, and they've swept three out of those four series. So Southern Miss playing really good baseball uh, right about now. Now, over to State. I'm going to give you rankings, too. We've got plenty of time. But over to State, two out of three against Tennessee on the road. Uh, should have done that, did it. Now, it wasn't always pretty, and it certainly wasn't always easy, but wins on the road. That's a, a Tennessee team that is in the top 15 in RPI at the moment. It's still kind of early RPI-wise, but they're in the top 15. And you get two out of three on the road. Uh, RPI rankings love road games, especially against SEC teams because the SEC is number one RPI league in the country right now and likely to stay that way. So however you get them, it's good. Uh, So it's a big series win, especially considering if you're state, you didn't have JT again because he was stiff and sore all weekend from something and just didn't feel right. He pitched one inning on Sunday, missed his Saturday start, pitched one inning on Sunday, they relieved him. And so you go take two out of three of a top 15 RPI team in their place without JT again. It's a pretty good weekend, however you slice it. State won 6-3 back on Friday night. Had to do it in extras. Jake Mangum was huge, huge. Then a 2-1 loss. I'm going to get to that. And then they win that game yesterday 7-5 to to take the series. 2-3, out of three, come back home, get ready to host South Alabama on Wednesday and then host Alabama Friday, Saturday, Sunday for Super Bowl Dog Weekend. On the radio, this is what it sounded like. What you're going to hear is calls from throughout the weekend with Jim Ellis on the call from Learfield IMG, starting off with Friday night when Jake Mangum broke the hits record at Mississippi State. And there's a line shot over the head of the shortstop and out in the right, uh, left center field and cut off by Charleston, and that's Mangum has just tied the Mississippi State career hits record. Ball hit the other way, and there she is, number 336 for Jake Mangum. He has just broken the Mississippi State career hits record. It's coming, and it's a line drive base hit into left field that will score one. Here comes Cumbest. Here comes a throw, the slide, and he beats it. A throw to third, and safe there is Marshall Gilbert. And Mississippi State has taken a 6-2 lead in the ballgame. And how can you say enough about Jake Mangum? Line drives today. Hits a high fly ball deep in the outfield, way back to the wall, at the wall, and gone for a solo home run for Rowdy Jordan. And he cuts the lead in half, his second home run of the year. There's a ball driven deep. It is going and is gone. And that is a long home run. It's bouncing out in the parking lot beyond the right field wall. The Bulldogs have hit a pair into the stretch. Jared Liebelt. Here's the pitch, and he struck him out swinging to end the ball game. He did an unbelievable job out of the bullpen. He goes three strong innings. Mississippi State puts a win in the book as they take a win on the road here. All right, so there you heard some of the calls from the weekend. Tanner Allen homered as well. He's the one. He has had an absolute just moonshot way out into the parking lot there in Knoxville in yesterday's game. 
And those calls from Jim Ellis, Learfield IMG College State winning yesterday 75 to uh, take the series. After the game, Chris Lamonis kind of wrapping it all up on the radio with Jim. Yeah, a huge performance, I thought, from our guys. And just a tough place to play. And after last night's game, coming out here and competing all day long, uh, I'm proud of the guys. So many uh, things happen on a ball game, but uh, obviously you started JT again. He got the, through the first inning and, and, and didn't look like he was himself. Uh, but, you, but your bullpen uh, really did a job for you today, didn't it? I thought they did. Uh, yeah, JT, just, you know, I don't think it's anything major. I just think it's a, he's a little uncomfortable right now. So um, we saw that, took him out, and I thought Keegan came in and did an unbelievable job. He, um, you know, I thought he was the difference in the ball game for us, and then we were able to use our bullpen the way we want to use it. Uh, Tristan was really good, had a couple tough swings put together on him, but and then I thought Lee Belt there at the end, um, man, it was special. All right, so there you go. A little bit from uh, Chris Lamonis. State's coach on a post-game radio broadcast yesterday. Okay, so in between, State dropped game two of the series against Tennessee. Final score, Tennessee wins 2-1. to one. State only scores one run. And Tennessee's guy had a really good day on the mound. State could not seem to hit the ball hard, line drive. They popped everything up that day. In fact, uh, I was looking at the box score, and it was pretty clear the numbers, the way the numbers uh, shook out. Let's see. He had, yeah, their starting pitcher for Tennessee went six and two-thirds and uh, faced 27 batters. Twelve of the outs that he recorded were fly ball outs, and there were three more strikeouts. So you look at it this way. I mean, there were 15 of the official 25 at-bats he went up against where the ball was not hit hard or on the ground. You got to make one play to get an out or a strikeout. So it was, a, it was a poor day at the plate for State. But in the game, State got equally as good a start from its pitcher, Peyton Plumley, who had to start because JT Ginn couldn't go. And Plumley was really good in the game starting. Went five and a third. Faced 22 batters through 73 pitches and allowed two hits. One run on two hits in terms of earn run. One earn run on two hits. Struck out three. He did have three walks, and he hit a guy right in the back early in the game at one point. But he, was, he really did pitch well. What happened is in the middle innings there, Tennessee had a deal where um, there was a ball in the infield it was field, it goes over to first. And runners for Tennessee advanced to second and third base. Two runners. They didn't have any runs on the board, but the runners advanced on this play over to second and third base. And Peyton Plumley, the pitcher for State, got the ball back after the out was recorded, looked down, saw there's a big scuff on the ball, and like they always do, he's going to discard that baseball and get a new one. In order to do that, technically – you need to ask timeout from the umpire, and he needs to grant that, right? And then you get rid of that baseball, and he'll give you a new one. According to people who were there and who had the story, because frankly, look, the broadcast that was coming down on the SEC network from you know, that location, from Tennessee, you only had two cameras. They were poor angles. You couldn't tell hiding or hair of just about anything. I watched it. I'm not really even sure why I did. 
but you couldn't tell anything from that. Um, it was like watching a really low-rate, low-budget stream cast of some obscure, I don't know, high school or something. So congrats on that, Tennessee. I mean, pick up your game, man. Come on. Come on. But anyway, what it was is Peyton Plumley took the ball after he plays over, the bat girl's coming out to get the bat, you know, the infield's walking back to their spots for the next pitch, runners just stand on the bag. He thinks he has timeout, and he tossed the baseball with the scuff on it over into the dugout to get rid of it and asks for a new ball. Problem is, the umpire says he was never granted a timeout for that. Therefore, the ball was live. Therefore, when the ball went in the dugout, it meant that both runners got to advance and go home. I don't know the specific rule that would allow a guy, apparently you get two bases. I guess that's what it is. The rule is you get two bases. So if you're on first, you go to third. If you're on second, you go home. And a guy on third obviously got to go home. Both of them did. So maybe Tennessee would have had a chance to earn those two runs uh, by you know getting a hit, but they didn't because of that little snafu, this really weird thing. Runners on second and third. The pitcher thinks there's timeout in the game. He's got a baseball with a scuff on it, so he discards it and asks for a new baseball. Umpire says, I didn't give you timeout. Tough luck. That's a live ball, two-run score, and the final score, two to one. Now, I did see at least uh, one former player on Twitter said, yes, it's unfortunate and don't like it, but the real reason, you didn't lose the game because of that. The reason you lost the game is because you only scored one run yourself. And that's true. It was a day when you didn't score. Um, could you have won a one-to-nothing ball game? Sure, maybe. Doesn't happen too much. And then State comes back and scores seven runs the next day. The other thing that was kind of weird that happened over the weekend in Knoxville, and here's a text from uh, Jess in Louisville, Mississippi, home of the Wildcats, the 4A state champion Wildcats in football, that is. Jess from Louisville um, says, I'm currently living in Omaha, Nebraska. Love the show. Thanks for listening online in Omaha. Peyton Manning. Omaha. (laughs) Nebraska. And Jess says, have you ever discussed yet what happened yesterday with the Tennessee pitching coach getting ejected? That was a weird thing. And again, I'm not there. I'm trying to watch it on a an online broadcast that gives me two camera angles that the lens angle was so wide I could just about see not only Knoxville but Nashville too. I mean, might as well have put a camera on the moon for about half the things they were showing us this weekend in this series. It was pitiful. This is an SEC school. It's pitiful. But anyway. They're doing the best they can. I, I stuff happens, but and you couldn't hear anything too. You don't have sound on the field, nothing like that. There wasn't a great explanation for it. I still don't know that you have a, a definite explanation. But what happened, if you're wondering, was Rowdy Jordan was batting for State. The starting Sunday pitcher for Tennessee throws a fastball over the plate, and then boom, line drive. Right back to the pitcher, and pow, right off the pitcher's ankle. Knocks him off his feet. It hit his ankle so hard, the ball carried him 90 degrees over towards the 
Tennessee dugout. The pitcher's down. I mean, it hit his legs square. You know good and well it hurt. He had a hard time getting up. And as soon as he went to the ground, the play was kind of live. The ball's rolling around. Two runners moved up to second and third. Rowdy Jordan goes over to first. Base is loaded. And one of the first guys out of the dugout, apparently, trainers as well, was a pitching coach for Tennessee. All I could see was the second base umpire use the motion, you're out of here, and threw him out of the game. The rumor is there was some talking back and forth somewhere, whether it's the dugout from State and the coach from Tennessee. I just don't know the story. I really don't know the story. I just I do know that it was a quick hook. I don't know what he said, but as soon as he said it, boom. There was no lead up. There was no arguing. There was no nothing. He said something, and right away, boom, you're out of here. But it, it happened on that play when the pitcher was hit by the ball. I just don't know like what the real story is of how that got instigated and why it happened. I just don't know. It's in the books now. State takes two out of three. Stick around. You're listening to The Matt Wyatt Show. Back on the show. Hey, Roger, this was one of those weekends where I had a couple nights where I just, you know, inexplicably wake up at like one in the morning wide awake. I don't know how to explain it. Hmm. I lost a lot of sleep this weekend. And, I, you know, I don't, again, I don't know what the reason is, but I, I did something both nights, including last night. As I just pulled a computer out, sitting there trying to make myself get sleepy by watching something, you know, and I happened upon these old Western movies. Apparently, like I had been watching some old Western stuff, Western movie stuff, and how they made the spaghetti Westerns with Clint Eastwood and all that kind of stuff. And, what, and you know what YouTube will do after you watch a few of those, it'll start suggesting a whole bivy of other videos like that to you. Mm-hmm. And so I wound up watching basically two movies, old Western, sort of, well, one for sure is, but Western genre movies I'd never seen before. And I wonder if you have seen these movies. All right. The first one is called Death Rides a Horse. And the main character, one of two main characters was Lee Van Fleet. Remember Lee Van Fleet? Is it Fleet or Cleef? Cleef. That's it. There you go. Lee yeah, Van Cleef. That, that tall guy in uh, the seven something. <laughs> well, he's the he's the yeah. he's the third guy in the Good, the Bad, and the Ugly. Oh yeah, yeah. So he's in those spaghetti westerns with Clint Eastwood. He's in the Good, the Bad, and the Ugly. He's in, um, I guess, Fistful of Dollars or one of those. 
You know, he's the – they called him Angel Eyes. Magnificent Seven. I think he was in that. Too. So he was in that too. Yeah, Lee Van Cleef. That's him. Yeah, in a in an old Western called Death Rides a Horse. You ever seen that movie? No, but I, I think I've heard of it. Okay. I – you know, if somebody like me has watched all that stuff, apparently the reason I never saw it, it didn't get in circulation back in the day in the rerun cycle like Good, Bad, and the Ugly did. But it was directed – by uh, Sergio Leone, the same guy that did all the good, the bad, and the ugly Clint Eastwood things. And it was really good. It's good old Western. It's neat to see a good Western, an old Western in that style that you've never seen before. It's like, you know, it's like a new movie to you, even though it's been out for 40, 50 years, whatever it is. The other one, this is the one I happened on last night, wound up watching the whole stupid thing. J.R. Bonner with Steve McQueen. As a bull rider. You ever seen that movie? No, I haven't seen that one either. You a Steve McQueen fan? Yes, no? Mm, I mean, yeah. you know, he's in it, and okay. it's a good movie. I mean, I don't go look at, oh, that's Steve's in there. i got to yeah. watch that. Uh-huh. that same, I'm the same way with Tom Cruise. I just think, ah, oh, well, they spent a lot of money on it. It might be decent. Mm-hmm. Sure. <laughs> yeah. Well, well, this one was kind of low budget, and it's out in Arizona, and they're all cowboys, but it's not shoot 'em up like, that kind of thing. Not not sheriffs and bad guys and cowboys and Indians and that sort of thing. It's not that. A rope opera. <clears throat> yeah, this is modern day. They were, you know, their cars, all their vehicles were from the sixties. Um, and he was a he was a bull rider named J.R. Bonner. And there were a lot of famous other actors and stuff in this movie. They wound up being pretty good. And there was this one I actually tweeted out a link to this scene on my Twitter feed at Radio Wyatt, but this his dad, who was Ace Bonner, was arguing with his mom. His dad had his mind made up. He was going to go to Australia and go down there and pan for gold. They're finding gold in Australia. He wanted to go. And they were arguing. And, the, and, and you have to pardon the H word here, but the mom said, you can go to H-E double hockey sticks. You know, she said it. You can go to hell or Australia, either one, but without me. <laughs> and the dad paused and he said, well, they're both down under. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's what you say when your <laughs> wife tells you to leave, yeah. Her, leave her. Yeah. yeah. Well, they're both down under. Anyway, it was a good movie. Watched them both. Lost all that sleep and watched two old Westerns. And see here, I guess is what I'm here to tell you is, Roger, um, you're, you're not past – Watching some good movies that you've never even seen or heard of. They're out there. Yeah. It's nice to find one of those gems that you haven't you know, managed to see. And I you tell know. you, you know, the the whole the bull riding stuff and everything they had in that, J.R. Bonner, it was very realistic. I enjoyed it. I thought it was a good movie. Thought I it think the stunt guys back then worked a lot harder than they do these days. I think oh, they got, sure. they're pretty safe now. I think you could actually get killed back in the day. Uh-huh. Back when it was real. Yeah, that one that I, Ving Rhames was in when they they're filming and somebody got killed by a helicopter or something. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, that's right. Well, go look it up. You can find them. Watch those whole movies on YouTube. You'd enjoy it, I think. J.R. Bonner. He's Steve got McQueen. Got on the text line. I watched The Man Who Shot Liberty Valance. That's a good one. Yeah, and look, I know the song. It's a great old song. Know the story. Never seen the movie. Have not seen it. Who was well, that? Um, who was that? The main character. 
Oh, man, don't make me. I'm <laughs> saying you all that now. Well, he's he's uh, famous. Uh, he was in um, It's a Wonderful Life. Oh, you're talking about uh, Jimmy Stewart? Jimmy Stewart, I think, was in, uh, played a main character in The Man Who Shot Liberty Valance, the uh, movie. J- Jimmy Stewart. Wow, Roger, that's a good impression. Well, that's it. That's all I can do. <laughs> Hey, I can do a... Uh, it's a, a wonderful life. Hey, I can do an Al Pacino impression. You want to hear it? Go for it. Here it is. hoo That's all I got. <laughs> if you can just yell hoo I think that means... Is that son of a woman? Yeah, something like that. I love it when Bill Hader did his impression of Al Pacino on Saturday Night Live. Liar, liar, your pants... Are on fire! Look that one up. Look. <laughs> Completely off the rails. But yeah, everybody tries to do one of those. Roger, your Jimmy Stewart impression is... And, and look, let's be honest. We, we've got to be old to even be able to appreciate it. You know, that's, that's, <laughs> that's why I never get to use that one. <laughs> I haven't used that since the 80s. <laughs> I'm telling you how old I am. <laughs> Our impressions are starting to get dated. <laughs> Most of the people who are listening weren't born. Yeah. <laughs> That's a good point. Moving on. Well, they've seen It's a Wonderful Life, though, so maybe yeah. they can. Yeah. Maybe. But you're, uh, you're uh, Al Pacino, not bad. I thought you were going to go with the little friend one. Say hello to my little friend. There yeah. you go. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. I like the hoo better. Hoo-ha! <laughs> <laughs> Bulldog Neil is on the Divinity Equipment phone. Divinity Equipment, Madison and Jackson. What's up, Neil? The man who shot Liberty Valance. That was uh, Jimmy Stewart played the lead. John Wayne was uh, was also in it. Lee Marvin played Liberty Valance. Couldn't they get any stars uh, to go in there? <laughs> wow. <laughs> and uh, the the girl that was. Uh, it was uh, Jimmy Stewart's love interest was also in The Searchers with John Wayne. Is that right? I don't, I don't recall her name. Okay, The Searchers, which is a phenomenal classic Western movie, The Searchers. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, if I'm not mistaken, it's, uh, it's the only one that Wayne won an Academy Award for, if I'm not mistaken. Okay, The Searchers. Isn't that something? Yep. You know, with that decorated of a career and look up and go, he won one Academy Award for a movie, and that might be it. How about that? Uh, yeah, that's just almost, un- I just, it's unfathomable. It but, is. Uh, it's hard. Whoever to- knew uh, it. Yeah, the, John the Wayne's underrated. Liberty Bounce was a good movie, though. Yeah, it is. It's a classic. It's a good movie. Well, and, and listen, Neil, since you like that kind of thing, either of those movies that I mentioned, Death Rides a Horse with Lee Van Cleef, or Junior Bonner, J.R. Bonner, with Steve McQueen. Have you seen either one of those? I have seen the, the, the Bonner movie. I have not seen Death Rides the Horse. Okay. Um, one of the most, you know, some people, and most of them in Hollywood, and, it, you know, in that day, if you were, if you were in a Steve McQueen, if you turn on a Steve McQueen movie, there's going to be at, at least one just drop-dead beautiful woman in the movie, at least one. You know, and in Junior Bonner, J.R. Bonner, there was an actress named Barbara Lee, spelled L-E-I-G-H. And she played the part of his love interest. And, um, uh, yeah, she 
I, I looked that up, and I want to say she was born in Mississippi. You might look that up. I, I don't have it in front of me. Wow. But I think she was. Might, I'll look it up and see. It was somewhere around here. Yeah. Anyway, Barbara Lee, L-E-I-G-H, and she was just absolutely beautiful. You would expect that, though, for the leading lady right, in the Steve McQueen movie. I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to lead you with a sports question. All right. Thank you. Uh, well, no, I have a sports question. I'm gonna hang up and listen. Um, the the Maroon and White game is is Saturday. What do you think we're gonna see out of uh, out of out of progressions or lack of progressions with the offense, that sort of thing? Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and how far and how much of a step back is the defense going to take? Because while there's still a lot of talent there, we don't have the talent up front that we had last. year. Well, there's no question about that, Neil. Um, you know, they got a depth. Because it's spring, they're in a little bit of a depth hole at defensive line. Linebacker secondary, very good. We're get, you, your question is perfectly timed because coming up in like four minutes on the other side of this break, we're going to talk with Brett Hudson, who uh, went to that scrimmage on Saturday and kind of get an update on it. So, uh, Excellent. Yeah. Good stuff, Neil. Thanks for the question. Thank you. <laughs> We'll address it next. What do we expect to see from State in the maroon-white game? It's coming up next. Stick around. Bum, 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 bum. Okay, so Neil called in. We had some movie trivia going on, some John Wayne stuff. Hogjowl texted in on the text line and said, John Wayne won his Oscar for True Grit. Well, that might have been an Oscar. That's not the same, though, as an Academy Award, right? Or is it? I ain't got a clue about any of that. <laughs> I think it's different, though. I think. I think we'll look on mine and see. Okay, we'll look, we'll look it up and see here. That's what Google is for. I'm going to look at, go look at mine. Um, we got a suggestion from a listener from Kosciuszko that says... Uh, I need to see the old movie Into a Valley of Violence and said it plays into almost every male Western movie fantasy you can imagine, and it's surprisingly good. <laughs> Shoot them up, hero, get the girl, get the money, live happily ever after, I mean, all that kind of stuff. Into a Valley of Violence. That'd be a great... Just on the record here, Matt. Yeah. Oscar is merely a nickname for the Academy oh, Award. Oh, okay. So it is. The official name for the trophy is the Academy Award of Merit. Okay. So if you Which w- is why you wouldn't know anything about it, because when's the last time somebody won that deserved it? <laughs> well, when's the last time I watched the Oscars? Exactly. Slash the Academy Awards. Heck, I don't know. I don't know. All right. Slash political town hall. Yeah. Exactly. Thank you very much. I just want to talk football. And thanks to Neil's question about what we're going to see in the maroon and white game, we now have this perfect little segue from one to the other where now on the Divinity Equipment phone, Divinity Equipment, Madison and Jackson, your Kubota dealer, I'm going to be there and riding a Kubota up and down the lot on Thursday. Y'all come see me out at Divinity and Madison. We got Brett Hudson here who went to football practice this weekend, and he can tell us what he saw. Hey, Brett. Morning to you. How are you? I'm good, man. How's it going? Peachy, lovely. We've been discussing baseball, the Masters, 
and Western movies. And I don't have I don't have time here to tell you why or how we got to all those things, but we did. And now we're on to the really important stuff, and that's you seeing football. What'd you see this weekend when you watched them practice? Yeah, it's uh, it's interesting to to be out there because you don't really know what you're going to get on the defensive line yeah. these days. And and you could you could have said that just by losing four seniors on on last year's starting unit, you could have just started there. But then you include the fact that a potential heir apparent on the inside in Kendall. Jones, he's out and, and has been for a significant portion of, of this spring. And then the guy that kind of took his place, Fabian Lovett, had a minor injury, and he was out of that scrimmage too. So you're seeing that that, that big group of freshmen on the inside, your Devin Robinsons, your Jaden Crumedies, and et cetera, et cetera. You're seeing those guys get a lot of reps throughout the spring, but now you're seeing them get even more with Kendall Jones out and Fabian Lovett out of the, of the last uh, scrimmage, which, which is kind of nice because the the line of scrimmage on on both sides has been my primary focus all all spring. While everyone is screaming at each other about the quarterback battle, I'm looking at the positions that that are actually important for for this team next year. And <laughs> and it's it's been fun to see those things kind of develop and and separate themselves in in the spring as much as one can. And, and spring football, and that's what that's what you got in the last scrimmage, and, and I imagine you're you're going to have to look for that even closer in the uh, maroon and white game. A minute ago, Neil asked a question about uh, you know quarterback offense, what it's going to look like, and and, yeah. and my initial thought was you know one, I think one thing people are going to see in the spring game, the receiver position is going to look a little better, a little more experienced, and just with it in the offense. But it's number one, do you agree with that? Number two, it just seems like. I keep hearing um, Devontae Jason, WAP, you know, popping up on yours and everybody else's Twitter feed as well. So am I in the ballpark? Yeah, you're right. I think uh, I think Joe Moorhead uh, has and will admit that, um, that the passing game, I don't think they got the entire book in last year. I don't think, I don't think last year's team truly had a 100% command of the passing attack last year. And since almost all of the notable wide receivers from last year's teams are, are back, the, the one exception is Jesse Jackson, you would ex- expect that the wide receiver group is going to have a better command of the entirety of Moorhead's passing game. And not only just extra plays, teams, concepts that they didn't have access to last year, but also just running the stuff that they ran last year better this year. You know, it's, it's common, I'm sure, as, as you would know, Matt, it's common to just blame all the passing game issues on, on quarterbacks, but there's, there's three aspects to that. You gotta protect, you gotta throw, and you gotta run, uh, and you gotta be a good wide receiver. And, and wide receiver play had definitely had its fair share of, of blame in, in last year's passing woes when they did rear their ugly heads. So as much as the, the quarterback thing is important, I don't wanna downplay it completely. It's not the only thing going on in, in spring practice right now. You gotta have more from, from your wide receivers, particularly on the outside. Cedric Thomas, Austin Williams are, are going to be good in the slot. Who knows, maybe you put a, a incoming, uh, a newcomer in there. Maybe the, the junior college guy, Javante Payton, maybe uh, Kaibaya Pruitt from, from Knox to be counting. You're going to be good in the slot, and you're so deep at tight end, you're probably going to get something out of, out of that position, but you've got to be better on the outside than you were last year. So you look at WAP, you look at Osiris Mitchell, you look at Stephen Gidry, 
maybe a Cam Gardner, maybe a Malik Deer, uh, someone like that. You've got to be better on the outside than you were last year. Sure. Brett Hudson on your radio right now. A lot of people, again, in the spring are really can, you know, asking about completion percentage for the quarterback. And, <laughs> you know, one thing I would say is, see if you agree with this, it's really hard to complete passes against um, Cam Dantzler on one side and Smitherman on the other at corner. That's two really good corners. It's hard to complete passes against this entire secondary. And, you know, I came into spring thinking, man, what are they going to do with McLaurin and Abram gone? You feel good about what they got at corner with Smitherman and Dantzler and then Tyler Williams and Corey Charles behind them and then two freshmen, two promising freshmen behind them. So you feel good about corner. But what are you going to do at safety? But then you remember that because of injuries and, and otherwise, they ended up having to rotate guys like Marcus Murphy and Jaquarius Landrews into that nickel spot last year. And they can just as easily play deep safety. So you can put Brian Cole, your original starting nickel, in that nickel spot, slide Marcus Murphy and Jaquarius Landrews back to the deep safety spots, and all of a sudden you've got a pretty comparable level of experience in the secondary this year to what you had last year, just because guys like Murphy and Landrews are so athletic and they aren't as position-specific as as some others in the secondary. They can do that. They have that ability. And then you add in a guy like Fred Peters and then C.J. Morgan, um, who, who showed some flashes in time last year. This, uh, this secondary... Is, is pretty pretty strong. I mean, yeah, they're going to lose two pretty significant pieces in the NFL draft pretty soon, but the experience and the depth of there is is a lot stronger than I expected it to be when when spring came in. So that's a that's a good point. Completion percentage has to rise, but they aren't also going to face a secondary this good every single week. They will some weeks, but not every week. Yeah, yeah, that's exactly right. What about crowd? You know, I sense that. You know, 10 years ago, 7, 8, 9, 10 years ago, everybody was up in arms about spring game attendance. And I feel like it's a sense that that's kind of waning across the league, sort of. Maybe not at Alabama, but everywhere else. But I know there's still excitement, and everybody's in for baseball. You think there'll be a big crowd? Uh, I think there will be. I don't think it'll be what it was last year just because this is this is year two not year one under a, under a new head man. And, of course, people have have kind of jumped the gun and jumping off the, the Joe Moorhead bandwagon kind of erroneously. But that's beside the point. I, I think it will be a crowd, but I don't think it will be the crowd that it was last year. And you, you bring up good points. I think we're, we're in a better uh, headspace now about spring game attendance than we were 10 years ago and the baseball team. Really, 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 really good. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I'm sure there's a lot of people that want to pack Duty Noble and kind of catch football as a as a sideshow, which it's a spring game. I mean, it, it kind of is a sideshow to a certain extent, you know? <laughs> yeah, I mean, to an extent it is. And that's what it's made to be. It's just fun. But I think weather's going to be good, so it's really going to be interesting to watch it and see what happens. Brett, appreciate it as always. I'm going to make sure everybody knows how to follow you and find your content. And tell them about the podcast and everything else. I appreciate some time, man. All right. Happy to help. All right. Thank you. That's Brett Hudson. Y'all follow him on Twitter at Brett underscore Hudson. Does an excellent job on the uh, uh, beat covering Mississippi State. 
and he's an excellent writer, too. He's got a piece he's doing weekly on baseball. Just go to my website, mattwyattmedia.com, and it's called Full Count. It's kind of an in-depth uh, statistical look at some things for state baseball that I think will interest you if you're a baseball fan, so check that out. That is at mattwyattmedia.com. Just go to the blog page, and you'll see it right there, the Hudson Report. Uh, so check it out. Hey! Fun show. The week is off to a flying start. We'll do it again tomorrow from a special place. I'll be out at Simmons Catfish, Yazoo City, talking catfish with some of those folks and some chefs from all over the place. So y'all tune in for that tomorrow on the show right here in the Farm Bureau studio. See you then. See you. You're listening to The Matt Wyatt Show.